Revelation 1, verse number, verse number 11 tonight. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks was one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was the sun, as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Lord, we want to thank you tonight for letting us be in the house of God. Thank you for the good singing. Lord, for the choir singing, the special songs, the offering tonight. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts these next few moments. And may you be glorified. We'll thank you for all that we do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. I want to preach here in just a moment out of verse number 17 this phrase that the Bible says, And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead. And I want to preach tonight on falling at the feet of Jesus. Falling at the feet of Jesus. In this chapter here, uh, chapter 1 of Revelation, it can pretty much be summed up with two personalities. One being more superior than the other. And the first personality being Jesus and the second being that of John. Jesus is the one that is to be worshipped and John is the one that is doing the witnessing. Amen. Jesus is the message and John is the messenger. And in this chapter here, he talks about our Lord and he talks about the voice of Jesus in verse number Uh, 10, we read it this morning. As he said, he heard behind me a great voice. And then in verse number 12, he said, and I turned to see the voice. Uh, The voice of Jesus was so powerful that John turned to see that voice. Uh, He knew that there was an identity that would come with that voice. And and there is the uh, the voice that is, uh, that has an identity. This voice said in verse number 10 that, or verse 11, that he was Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And he gave instructions. And the voice of our Lord is a voice that can be identified. Amen. What I mean by that is whenever God speaks to you, he needs no introduction. He needs no invitation. Hey, when God speaks to your heart, you will know that. Amen. A sinner will know when God speaks to them. And a saint will know when God speaks to them. And this is a voice of identity. It is a voice of instruction. As he spoke to him about specific matters concerning concerning uh, that of the church uh, and the future. You know when God speaks to us, uh, He's not just wasting time. He's not just trying to have a casual conversation. But when God speaks to us, He has something specific He wants to say to us. Uh, He has instructions for all of us. It's a voice of of 
identity and instructions in them. It is certainly a voice of inspiration because this voice, uh, when John heard this voice, he had to turn and see the voice. Amen. I tell you, there's nothing more inspiring than the voice of God. Amen. You say, well, preacher, I, I've not heard his voice lately. Well, if you want to hear his voice, get in his book, amen? Because this book is his very word. It's the voice of God. And God speaks to us through the word of God. He doesn't speak through us through some vision or some revelation. You say, but I see that in the Bible. John was a revelator. Daniel saw visions, yes. But the word of God was not completed, amen? Now we've got a, com- a complete copy of this book, amen? And so therefore... We We don't have to worry tonight because we have the voice of God in written form. Isn't that right? And so when we think about the voice of Jesus and then we think about the vision of Jesus, he talks about this Christ. When he turns to see this voice, he said in verse number 12, and being turned, he said, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, he said there was one like unto the Son of Man. You know what I like about this passage? here is that John gives explicit detail of who Jesus was and what Jesus looked like. Amen? And Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, he gives explicit detail of who Jesus was and what Jesus looked like. And if you read the 10th chapter of Daniel and the 1st chapter of the book of Revelation, it's amazing how much of it correlates together as Daniel sees him in the Old Testament and John sees him in the New Testament. Daniel is the ABCs of Bible prophecy and John is the XY or or Revelations is the XYZs of Bible prophecy. But they see a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ in His glory. Now when you think about this vision tonight, he said in verse number 13 that he was clothed with a garment down to the foot and that garment speaks of service. Amen. He sees him as a high priest. Uh, uh, He was wearing those priestly garments. Amen. Because the Bible said that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Uh, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for me and he's praying for you. Amen. And John sees that high priest's garment that speaks of service. He talks about a golden girdle and that talks about his deity. Amen. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but I also believe he's the only begotten Son of God. He is God in the flesh. Isn't that right? And so it's these golden, uh, this golden girdle speaks uh, of his deity. And then his head speaks of his sovereignty. His hair speaks of his wisdom. As he said, they were as white as wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto brass. These eyes uh, and these, uh, these feet of brass speaks of judgment. Amen. Because when Christ comes again, he's coming to judge this world. Amen. He's going to judge the world. He's going to judge sinners. He's going to judge saints. He's going to judge Israel. I'm telling you, he's going to judge the nations. He is a God of mercy, but he's a God of judgment. Amen. And then he said that his voice uh, in verse number 15 has the sound of many waters. Amen. That speaks of his power. His voice was a powerful voice. Uh, It was as the sound of many waters. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, the voice of God is the most powerful thing on planet earth. Amen. It can penetrate a heart. Uh, It can penetrate a life. Uh, It can move men. Uh, I'm telling you, the hardest of men. Listen, you and I may speak to them. 
and we may never get through to them. But if a holy God ever speaks to the secret places of their soul, it'll get down in the recesses of their heart. And God goes where no one else goes. His voice is a powerful voice. Amen. Then in verse number 16, his right hand having seven stars, that right hand speaks of strength and it speaks of ownership, amen? He owns the church, amen? And he owns the pastors of the church, amen? Those stars uh, uh, being the, ch- uh, the pastor and those are those angels being the pastor and then uh, uh, the candlestick in the midst of the church, uh, all of that is in his right hand, amen? I'll tell you something, the church doesn't belong to me and the church doesn't belong to you we are the church and we belong to him amen you say who's running the church he is isn't that right you know one of the reasons God has blessed this church is because there's no opposition in following the leadership of God brother I don't abuse that I'm sensitive to it and there's accountability on all levels. Amen. I think as a pastor you can have leadership and you can have authority and still have accountability and accountability is nothing more than a safe zone. Amen. It keeps things in their balance. It keeps things in check because ultimately at the end it's not my will but it's God's will. Amen. I don't want to do anything God doesn't want to do. Isn't that right? I'm telling you I don't want to spend a penny of God's money except where he wants it to go. Isn't that right? I don't want to have a meeting unless God wants to have a meeting. I don't want to purchase nothing unless God wants to purchase it. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, we need God to do the leading and us do the following. Amen. Now, the reason so many churches are crippled today is because too many hands are involved. And that's not a problem here, but it just ought to be preached in every church. Isn't that right? not preaching it because there's a problem. I'm just stating the fact that there are a lot of places uh, that the presence of God is not there because they're family owned and operated. Amen. And then other places uh, may not be family owned and operated, but they may be run by deacon board or they may be run by just a pastor who doesn't follow the leadership of God and it's a dictatorship rather than leadership. There's a lot of reasons uh, uh, that the church uh, can be hindered. Amen. But I'm telling you a truth a church that is operating in the power of God that's not the blessings of God it'll be him that's in charge and it's him that's doing the leading amen that right hand speaks of ownership and then his mouth he said in verse 16 uh, at, with, with, at a, two, a sharp two edged sword that speaks my friend of, uh, uh, it talks about the word of God because the word of God is sharp and it's a, a two edged sword and then he talks about his countenance amen and that speaks of his glory amen the glory of the body is the individual's face isn't that right The way you identify somebody is by looking into their face. Their face is the identity. It's the window of their soul and their spirit. And here when he looks at his countenance, his countenance he talks about that it was as the sun shineth in its strength. Amen. I'm going to tell you the face of Jesus Christ reveals nothing more and nothing less than the glory of Almighty God. Amen. That's why when we see the face of Jesus one day all of our troubles and trials will be gone. It's because we'll be looking into the very face of the glory of Almighty God. Amen. But what about verse 17 tonight? When we come to verse 17, John sees, hears the voice of Jesus. He sees the vision of Jesus. 
But verse 17 is the value of Jesus. Because when John sees Jesus, look what he does. He said, I fell at his feet as dead. I'm talking about falling at the feet of Jesus. When's the last time you just fell at his feet? When's the last time you went in a room somewhere and you just shut the door? Got all by yourself. Got away from everybody and turned everything off. Took your Bible and got on your knees and fell at his feet. For a child of God, that needs to be a daily walk in our life. Brother, falling at his feet will change everything about us. You and I cannot be the Christians that we need to be unless we fall at his feet. I think the reason there's so much worldliness and carnality and there's such a lack of the power of God and fruit of the Spirit working in our churches is because there's not many people falling at the feet of Jesus anymore. I'm telling you, you can be an older person, but you need to fall at His feet. You can be a middle-aged person, you need to fall at His feet. You can be a young person, you need to fall at His feet. You can be filled with the Spirit young, and you ought to be filled when you're young, and then you can still be filled when you're old. Amen? I'm talking about falling at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. Uh, it'll change your perspective. It'll change your life. Uh, it'll change the way you witness. It'll change the way you worship. It'll change the way you walk. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, you won't be as near as grumpy and near as complaint. And you won't have near as negativity in your life uh, if you'll fall at the feet of Jesus. Amen. What does John see at the feet of Jesus? Or what does he find? I see first of all in verse number 17 that he finds consecration. As he said that when I saw him, watch this. He didn't just fall at his feet, but he said I fell at his feet as dead. I'm going to tell you a dead man's fully committed. He's fully consecrated. And the Bible talks about reckoning yourself dead. Paul said I die daily. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Crucifixion was a slow death, amen? The flesh died slowly. And I'm gonna tell you, friend, this flesh doesn't give up the fight. It dies slowly, amen? And what John says here is that when I saw Jesus, he said, I fell at his feet as dead. I'm gonna tell you something, that's where we need to be at. We need to be at the feet of Jesus like a dead man. We need to be consecrated to the cause of Christ, amen? We need to be surrendered to him. We need to be dedicated to him. If you'll ever fall at his feet and just fully surrender and consecrate your life to the cause of Christ. Uh, it'll change your life. Amen. Falling at the feet of Jesus uh, is a place of consecration. Amen. Now the reason a lot of folks today are not living a Christian life, they may be going to church, but they're not living a Christian life is because they've never consecrated. It's a word that we don't hear preached much anymore. Used to people would, I can remember preachers saying this. They would get up and they would say, are you living a dedicated, consecrated Christian life? Friend, there's more to this thing tonight than just being saved. And there ought to be more to your Christian life than just being saved and going to church. There ought to be consecration in your life. You ought to yield your life to God. That means you ought to give God your pocketbook. 
You ought to give God your house. You ought to give God your automobile. You ought to give God your children. You ought to give God your spouse. You ought to give God your life. Amen. You ought to just surrender everything over to him. You ought to just live totally committed and consecrated. Consecration will help you do the right thing when nobody else is around. Consecration will keep you and I in the place we're supposed to be in when others change course. Amen. Consecration, my friend, will keep you focused and will keep you doing what's right no matter the cost. Amen. I'm talking about, friend, we've got to be consecrated. We've got to live our life like a dead man. You know, you can walk up to a dead man, you can insult him, and he won't say anything back to you. You can punch a dead man in the face, guess what? He's not going to strike back. You can talk about him, you can strip him of all his clothes, but he's not going to retaliate. You know why? Because he's dead to himself. And friend, that's how we're to live our life, dead to ourselves. We have to get self off the throne and put Jesus in his rightful place. John just seen, seen Jesus in all of his glory and the only thing he could do was fall at his feet as dead. He recognized who he was. Oh, I want to talk about, listen, you think about the humility that's involved in this as John is at the feet of Jesus. He's not boasting. He's not bragging. He's not lifting himself up. I'm telling you, this is full submission. It's humility. And friend, we need more humility in the house of God. We've got too much self-promotion today. In our churches, in our pulpits, on our platform, and even in our pews. Amen. Now y'all stay with me tonight. I'm only going to preach an hour, so don't worry. Amen. I'm not going to preach long. Y'all stay with me. I'm talking about, friend, listen, we are living in an egotistic society. When people don't care to give you a piece of their mind, they don't care to tell you what they think, you can tell how, uh, listen, how ignorant somebody is when they throw their two cents in left and right and never think about the consequence. But a dead man is dead to this world. A dead man is living unto Christ. Amen? I know who I am tonight. I know where I ought to be at. I know where God found me and where he brought me from. I'm telling you, there's nothing good in me tonight. There's nothing worth lifting up tonight. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. Amen? I don't want to lift up this old wicked ungodly flesh. I'll just be the first tonight to throw my hat in and say I don't pray enough. I don't read enough. I don't witness enough. I don't like myself. I think too many people love themselves too much and lift themselves up. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. I need to be under the carpet tonight. And it not been for the grace of God, I'd be dead in hell. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing good about me tonight. Amen. Saul, preacher, you ought not talk like that. You're the pastor. Hey, I don't care. I'm dead. I'm not trying to impress you tonight. I'm not, I'm not being a smart act when I say that. But I'm telling you, thank God I got over trying to impress people. And I don't have a blessed God attitude. I care about my testimonies. But I don't care tonight about a name being on anything. Amen, it's vanity tonight. I don't care tonight if people knows about my prayer life. It's not worth me telling you about. Amen. And yours isn't either, by the way. Come on, it's going to get real good here in just a moment. Y'all just saddle up with me and hang real tight. Amen. I'm preaching on the flesh tonight. Amen. I'm talking about putting us in our perspective. I'm telling you, if God does anything through us, He is the only one that did it. He's the only one that can do it. And I don't want to take the crown off of His head by trying to lift up my ungodly self tonight. I'm telling you, friend, listen, had it not been for Calvary, He came to me, praise God, when I was lost. 
lost in sin. He came to where I was. He picked me up. Oh, bless his name. He picked me up. Hallelujah. Woo! And tonight, you want to have revival? Get under the carpet tonight. I'm telling you, get so low. Let's just be honest tonight. Let's get down where the rubber meets the road. Every prayer God's ever answered in my life, I'm going to tell you how it was. I didn't walk in the throne room in great faith and bow my knee and say, Dear God, I believe you're going to do this. I want to. And I do believe God. I'm talking about major prayers. Say, preacher, have you ever prayed like that? I pray that way every day. I pray every day that way. God, I believe you're going to do this. I'm asking God to do some big things right now. But I'm going to tell you something. When the rubber meets the road, friend, that's not how I pray. There's nothing wrong with praying that way, but that's not how I pray when the rubber meets the road. You want me to really tell you how I pray when the rubber meets the road? I'll tell you how I really pray. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. God, if you don't help me. Oh, God, if you don't help me. Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I don't even know where to start. Oh, God. You say, I wouldn't do that, preacher. I know. That's why God's got me doing it. Flesh don't like that tonight, does it? I'm going to tell you, if you're ever going to get God, if you're ever going to ring the bells of heaven, You're going to have to get on your face. You're going to have to push pride and and promotion and and, and anything good about you out of the way. You're going to have to kill the flesh and get on your face and realize and recognize uh, if anything gets done, uh, it'll take a thrice holy God uh, working in mercy, not on merit, uh, looking down and realizing, uh, oh God, I need you, I need you, I need you. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, that's consecration uh, and God will honor a prayer uh, life uh, that'll pray that way. Boy, I didn't know I was going to preach all this, but I sure am glad. Amen. God's are doing something. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, if you want God to walk in that room and to fill your soul, woo, I'm telling you, just see how low you can go. Amen. Woo. And I'll tell you, you'll go in crawling, but you'll come out. Hallelujah. Prayer bells of heaven. Oh, how sweetly they ring. Amen. Prayer bells of heaven. I'm telling you, friend, you can come out with some victory. Uh, listen, uh, I'm just simply saying tonight that he was dead. He was consecrated. Are you consecrated tonight? Jesus don't answer beautiful prayers. Uh, he answers desperate prayers. Uh, he's not in, interested in me articulating words. Uh, he's interested in the condition of my heart. When we get desperate, when we get humble, when we get low, amen, and then he gets the glory, amen. Falling at his feet, there's consecration. And then let me say this, I'll never preach all this But secondly, let me say, uh, falling at his feet, I want to say there's contact. Amen. Because what happens to John when he falls at his feet? He makes contact with God. He said in verse number 17, and he laid his right hand upon me. Well, wouldn't you like for him to do that tonight? Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, I wish he'd lay his right hand on me right now. 
Brother, I'm telling you, God, have you ever had God lay his hand on you? I'm talking about, friend, has he ever touched you? Have you ever felt the touch of God? I'm not just talking about being saved. I'm not, I'm not saying something mystical and something sensational, but I do believe in the touch of God tonight. And I know it's real, amen. Brother, you're too late to tell me that God's dead and that he's not real. I'm telling you, friend, he's real tonight. And the touch of God is real. Brother, I'm telling you, I can't do anything. But if he'll just touch me, if he'll just touch that sermon, if he'll just touch that song, if he'll just touch that little prayer, if God will just touch it, friend. I'm telling you, there's a lot of times I've reached up and missed. But every now and then I'll make contact, amen. Every now and then he'll reach down and he'll hold my hand. Oh, bless his name. I think I've just made contact now. I'm talking about friends. There's contact. He'll touch you if you'll ask him. Amen. Don't be satisfied at preaching without a touch. Amen. Don't be satisfied at having a smooth outline and, and listen, a, a whole lot of book learning and you ought to have that. But it not, doesn't mean nothing if you don't get in a prayer closet and ask God for a touch. Amen. I believe you ought to sing good, but you ought to have a touch on that singing. You've got to ask God to touch it. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, if you'll pray for a touch, He'll give you a touch. You'll make contact. Amen. How's the preaching the other night? I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I don't know. Right two seconds before I stepped up to preach, I mean, I felt fear from the top of my head to the sole of my foot. Come all over me. I mean, I went up there. I hadn't had this happen. In, I mean, I'm never comfortable starting out. But I'll tell you, that night, I was shaking like a leaf when I got up to preach. And right before I stepped up, I said, Dear God, please help me tonight. Help me. And I'm going to tell you, God touched me that night. I'm not, I'm not, I hope that doesn't come across wrong. He didn't touch me. I, I, I'm not boasting, I'll tell you. I'm thanking him. He reached that little old sermon. I'll tell you what it was. It was a little thought scribbled on a napkin. And uh, God said, how about preach that for me tonight? Ain't amazing how we are. I said, God, that's not ready yet. <laughs> you gave it to me, but I, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't put my stuff with it, you know. <laughs> I think that kills more sermons than any. <laughs> God said, no, I just want you to preach that napkin tonight. And I said, God, I, I, I said, uh, I wrote that down sitting in a restaurant with a preacher just a thought, but I thought, I said, Lord, let me preach this. And God said, no, preach the napkin tonight. <laughs> Son, I was scared out of my mind. But he touched it. I couldn't preach it that way again. Amen. Ain't nothing in the napkin, is there? It's a Waffle House napkin. You know there wasn't nothing in that. <laughs> Why do people eat Waffle House? That's another sermon, isn't it? Nastiest place on earth, isn't it? Anyway, we'll go on, won't we? Do you know something? You could take that sermon and preach it again. It won't preach that way. You know why? Because it's not in the sermon. It's in the touch. Brother, when that choir sings, I tell you, every person that's, that's in this church, you ought to pray for the choir to have a touch. You don't got to be, I know Brother David prays. Uh, I, I know that. He led a song this morning. 
for opening. And I'll tell you, you couldn't have led a better song and it was the key to the Sunday school hour. Amen. I appreciate someone in a pray about what they sing and not just, you know, pick and choose, whatever. But I'll tell you something. It, 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 I thank God for him praying. But we all got to pray for the choir, don't we? Because he can get the right song and it still not have a touch on it. Because we need a touch on us, don't we? He said, well, I'm nobody special. I, I, I just sing over here in the choir and I can't sing good. Still, you can pray God gives you a touch while you sing. And I'm telling you, you get 50 people praying for a touch. Uh, we may not go home to 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, that's what the church used to have. That's what the church still needs. Uh, we don't need entertainment. Listen, we don't need all the pomp and all the, uh, listen, all the fluff that goes with everything nowadays. Uh, we just need to make contact with heaven. Amen. We need to get a hold of God. Uh, we need God. God's blessing on the singing and the preaching. I'm telling you, when God makes contact in a service, nobody wants to go home. Sinners will get saved. Saints will be revived. We just need to make contact. Amen. Got to fall at his feet. I'll say this in close tonight. Many things he found there. A lot of things. He found comfort though. He said in verse 17, he said, fear not. I'm the first and the last. He said, John, don't you fear. I think standing in his presence brings fear because of the frailty of man. Well, when he shows up, it, it'll bring fear sometimes. Reverential fear is what I'm talking about. John falling at his feet was like bowing to his lordship. It wasn't like, but it was bowing to his lordship. He was the sovereign. He is the sovereign one. And he was the sovereign one in this text. But even though he's the sovereign one, he's the one that's full of grace because he comforted him. He said, John, fear not. I'm the first and the last. He said, John, it's going to be okay. You're on this island out here all by yourself. You ever felt like you was on an island all by yourself? You're on an island all by yourself, John, but it's going to be okay. I got some words of comfort. I got some words of glory for you. And I'm telling you, listen, Brother, when you think about it, only God knows how to bring comfort to our heart. I learned years ago when people lose a loved one, you go to the funeral home and we all search for words to say. And most of the time we say pretty much the same thing and you know that we're praying for them and that we're sorry for, for their heartache and, and that's the right thing to say. But we know there's no words that can give comfort. When someone gives, gets a bad report and we tell them we're praying for you, we love you and the church is praying for you and we're going to believe God. And we, all that's true, but there's no words of comfort that we can give to their soul. But I found out when people are hurting, I can't say the right things, but I can pray for them. And I can pray to Him and ask Him, say the right thing to them. Because God never says the wrong thing. Do you know that if God says anything, it's always the right thing? If He just talks to me, it don't really matter what He says. It always makes me feel better. Is it that way with you? I mean, it's kind of like when you was a kid growing up. You could be hurting or something could be going on, but your mother just could say something. And it didn't really matter what she said, but she knew how to, just her voice brought comfort. Isn't that right? And God is the same way. Brother, when our hearts need to be comforted, if He says anything, it'll be the right thing. If He says, be not afraid, 
He don't have to give you an explanation. He don't have to tell you why. Don't be afraid. All he's got to do is say, be not afraid and fear will leave. Amen. Is that not what he told the disciples? He said, be not afraid. And that fourth watch of the night, I'm telling you, when the storm was boisterous and the waves were high, Jesus came walking on the water and he said, be not afraid. He didn't say the storm was going to pass. He didn't say it was going to cease. But he said, be not afraid. It is I. Amen. I'm going to tell you in the fourth watch of our night, when all hell seems to be against us and when the storms of life are raging I'm glad the God that we serve tonight is not only a God of grace but he's a God of comfort he'll, he'll speak sweet, sweet peace to our soul he'll lift our burden thank God he'll get us to higher ground and though the storm may still be raging thank God there'll be peace on the inside because there's comfort at his feet tonight Now I'll tell you this A lot of times in life, we're searching for answers. When answers is not what we need, we just need comfort. You might be here tonight and say, Preacher, I've been asking God for answers. Well, until you get the answer, why don't you get on your face and get down here at His feet and find comfort? There's comfort tonight. You know, there was something that so plagued me for so long. For two years, I prayed to God for the answer. And I couldn't get the answer. I mean, it was on my mind about every day. And I would say I had victory when in reality, I I really didn't have victory. Because you know why? I needed an answer. I wanted God to give me the answer. And He wouldn't do it. And He still hasn't. But I tell you about a year ago what he did for me. He gave me such comfort. So much comfort that Miss Kate, if he never gives me the answer, I don't need it. I don't even need the answer because I've got the comfort tonight. Thank God for the comforter. The comfort of God is sufficient enough. That even if you never get the answer, isn't it good to live with the comfort? The comfort may be the answer tonight as we stand. If you need to come, Brother David's going to sing. He'll obey God tonight if you need to come.